Hey guys, welcome back to Tribe of Unicorns. I'm your host, Kendra Beavis, and today I am chatting with Dr. Caroline Iskovitz. She's going to share with us her four pillars to achieving success as a women business owner. So grab a cup of coffee and we are going to get started. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to Tribe of Unicorns. I'm your host, Kendra Beavis, and today I am talking with Dr. Caroline Iskovitz. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? (laughs) I'm in Denver, Colorado. Oh, okay. One of my team members is in Denver. Oh, nice. (laughs) It's a great place. I only have flown through it (laughs) and over it. (laughs) Looks gorgeous. (laughs) It is. It definitely is. You can't beat the views. Yeah, definitely on my bucket list. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and we'll get into it after that. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is in clinical psychology. I'd studied marriage and family therapy, absolutely loved it, really loved helping people, the psychology behind everything. I feel like I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got to the point of burnout where I was just working, overworking myself. Uh, My hair started falling out. I started losing a ton of weight, which I couldn't afford to lose weight. Um, And I just was really hitting the ground basically. And I didn't know how to come out of that. And then I had a conversation with one of my best friends and I had already been kind of thinking about things of like moving in a different direction. She's like, what if you, I was in California at the time. She's like, what if you move back to Florida, start your coaching business, and then you can come move here to Chicago where she was living. I was like, that sounds great. (laughs) And then it came with a game plan. I wasn't just going to leave my clients or anything. So I realized too, I felt like I was meant for more. I felt being a therapist, I absolutely enjoyed it, but I felt like I was in the wrong platform of helping people because I really wanted to help people. I just didn't think that was the right one for me anymore after years of practicing. So I moved back to Florida. I started my coaching business and I started my health business. And I just really fell in love with the fact of being able to help women in particular get reaching their goals in a faster way. Like I understood all the like underlining things that were happening, but being able to move them forward to where they wanted to be. So through that, I created four pillars of my coaching business, which is work-life integration, um, self-love boundaries, and then emotional balance within our relationships. And that was my journey. I had to learn all four of those. And once I like actually put it to words, it's like, oh, these are my pillars for the core of what I practice and preach, but also being able to have something tangible. These coaching, sometimes it's like, oh, what is that? Or I don't know, but giving people a roadmap to get to a level that they want to and really up-leveling in their life, in their relationships, their business, and just feeling really good from the inside out and prioritizing themselves. Because that's something I didn't do until I left the therapy field and started working as a coach. That's the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so, um, I mean, I hear that all the time where people kind of come up with, this is how I fix myself. And then I want to teach you how to do the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. we had had a little pre-chat and you talked about being, um, or, or what I took from what you said was always being the student or always being like, you know, a forever learner. How important do you think that is in, um, because there seems to be this idea of like, you reach this place, like, oh, I'm going to get here and then I'm done. Mm -hmm. How do you speak to that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, at least, I don't feel like if we stay in one spot, we stay stagnant and we could always learn from something from somebody, even if we're the coach and we're helping somebody or vice versa, because I mean, I've had a lot of coaches as well. I've had therapists, I've had a village because I don't think you do it alone. And you could hear something so many times, but maybe that seventh time you hear it from somebody else, you're like, oh, wow. So I think it's just having an open mind and knowing that you don't know everything. I feel like the more I learn, the less I know sometimes, Um, but it's applying that knowledge. Like you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not applying it and really just being open to what can change too, because life can change and life is short. So that's essentially for me, it's always being open to learning something from somebody. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the reasons I was so excited to talk to you um, was a lot of people keep coming to me with, you know, I'm hitting this thing again. I, I, I'm struggling with this thing. I struggled with it before I thought I figured it out. Why is it coming up again? Do you see that a lot in, in your own practice? I do. I see it a lot with burnout. And that was like my experience. I had, that wasn't the first time I had burned out when I left the field of psychology. That was probably like the 10th time, but I didn't realize what it was. And I think too, it's you get in this cycle, or at least for me in my experience, just to give you an example. And I see this with a lot of my clients too, where they're high achievers. They're like, okay, I can do it all, all on my own. I got this. And then they start taking on too much, whether it's too many clients or just overscheduling themselves, becoming overwhelmed. And it becomes this burnout. But I think with burnout, you catch the cycle faster with anything, with any, when anyone's struggling with anything, it doesn't completely go away. You just get really smart about it. Like, oh, okay, I'm doing this same pattern. What can I do instead? How can I counteract this behavior? Because it's the actions we're doing. It starts with the thoughts and then the actions or in the feelings too. It's all kind of combust together, but when we're able to really dive into that, what I realized with my clients too is catching that cycle and not being so hard on ourselves because we can be the most critical on ourselves. Absolutely. But when we're, <laughs> we're able to have that compassion for ourselves and really prioritize our overall well being, that's when we are able to kind of take a step back and look and like, wait, hold on, this cycle's happening again. So my burnout, like it might have lasted a year the first time. And then the second time it's maybe six months. It gets a little bit quicker of me catching it um, because it still happens, but I'm, I have tools in place now where I can stop it before it becomes a huge issue. Like before. Why does it keep coming back? Is it just something that's ingrained in our personality that this is a particular type of struggle that we deal with over and over? Yeah, I think it varies per person as well. Um, there's no, there is a lot of science behind it, but I think too, it's really understanding if we haven't dealt with the root of it. So sometimes it might be, um, a lot of times I see this with like not being good enough, mm-hmm. like feeling like, well, I have to do more. This is like, that's ingrained in a lot of individuals and starts from childhood, depending on how you grew up, what you endured, all your life experiences. And I see that with just like, in a lot of different aspects of psychology too. And a lot of clients I used to see as well, whether it's addiction, whether it of any kind, um, burnout, other aspects too, of just not feeling that core of, I can do this and feel satisfied. It's like, there's constant, this like um, hustle culture too, of like wanting more and more and more. Yes. (laughs) Um, Side says it all, but it's true. I, I think a lot of people pride themselves on what they're doing 
Mm-hmm. And that's why it keeps coming back up because they haven't allowed themselves to be like, okay, this is okay. I'm okay to stay in the spot and move to the next level without having to repeat that pattern significantly. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I was just on the phone with a client the other day and she was so angry because she was like, no, <laughs> I've already, she said, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what the tools are. And I just, it almost seemed like, like, a a snotty teenager with yourself. Like, I'm not going to do that. I know what you want me to do. I know how to feel better. I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. And I think too, it's, we get to this point where we know what to do. It's the action though. It's the behavior. You have to really want to change from the core, from the inside out. And sometimes it's asking for help. And a lot of individuals struggle to ask for help because they feel weak or feel like, well, I don't, I don't need this. I know how to handle this, but sometimes you just really need that outside voice guiding you through it, whatever it is that you're dealing with, because sometimes you're so in it and like in the trenches, somebody outside of that can really help you and like grab your hand and be like, I got you. Let's go. They can see it from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. If I'm looking at your pillars, I mean, I would assume all of them kind of uh, diving into each of them individually would help <laughs> avoid keep hitting the same cycles again. Absolutely. And it's that foundation because I feel like you can't get to the last pillar without the first pillar because like, I feel, I used to say work-life balance a lot and I think that exists, but I feel like it's really hard to have things 50, 50 or yes. like it it's a life changes so quickly sometimes, or you're in different phases of your life or seasons and being able to recognize that. And I think like, I know I'm my own worst critic sometimes. I'm so hard on myself, but I catch myself a little bit quicker now, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm being honest. But I think too, you ha- those pillars are based off of my own experience. But then what I've seen my clients go through in that experience as well, time and time again, of just having that foundation. Because I always say this, it's, you can't build a house. You can't build the roof first without the foundation. You have to build layer by layer in order to have that solid foundation for your life. And that's why I have it the way I do. Yeah. Um, I think that's such a a thing that we get stuck in that idea of balance and you're so right. And you know, your life changes. You have to consistently reassess, like, where am I right now? What still fits? Um Hey guys, it's Kendra here. Just popping in real quick to ask a big favor whatever streaming platform you're listening to this on right now if you are loving this content if you are so connected to these guests if you've gotten value from what we're sharing here please go leave us a rating the more ratings we get the more this podcast gets in the eyes ears of more people and that is the goal of tribe of unicorns is to try and spread the positivity of all of these incredible people spread this message that you can change your life and you can live your best life So please go and give us a rating. That would be awesome. I appreciate you and thanks so much. Um, With my, my own struggles with the, the roadblocks that I consistently cycle through. um, I just realized that the other day I'm like, oh, actually my life looks completely different than it did three years ago. So now how do I use the tools that I know I have? um, Mm -hmm. But what still serves me and what matches where I'm at right now? That's a great point because I do think you have all the tools, but sometimes those tools don't work anymore because your life is very different and there's been a lot of changes and it worked before 
but now it doesn't. Like I've run into that too with clients. I'm like, okay, well, let's try this. And they're like, no, it doesn't work anymore. And that's okay. But I think it's getting creative of and not being so like stagnant. Like I was saying earlier too, it's really being open-minded to like, there might be something else that might help you now that you're in that different phase. You need something different and that's okay. And that's why I think it's always adding things to the toolbox because you don't know what you're going to need in that moment. And that's okay. But when we have that variety, we know, okay, it's not just one way. It's not a one size fits all ever. No, at least in my opinion. (laughs) Definitely not. So, um, you know, I work with a lot of women who are, you know, as we've said, trying to reach this next level, what amount of self-love work is involved in getting to that, that next place? Oh, great question. (laughs) Um, I think at least for me and what I've seen with my clients, because that was probably the hardest piece for me too. And like, I see that with my clients a lot because there's this lack of compassion sometimes Mm -hmm. because you feel like you already need to be there or there's not just taking time to appreciate what you've accomplished, especially the high achieving individuals, because they're like, well, I done this. This is just something else. Like not even celebrating those like small wins. And as an entrepreneur, like you have to celebrate those small wins because there's ups and downs like all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know the one day or it's not like up and down. (laughs) I could start the day being like, I'm the most amazing person ever. And then by the end, I'm like, oh my God, I just want to go to sleep. (laughs) Yes. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's what it is too. It's really giving yourself those pieces and self-love isn't just like the things you see on TV or in magazines or on social media. I was like, just dated myself for a minute. <laughs> like no one watches TV, but being able to really own the different things that are not just like a bubble bath or like going shopping or whatever it is. It's like, for me, nature is like key, like being in nature, but like that's part of my self-love or having that hard conversation with somebody that's part of self-love having Mm -hmm. that hard conversation with yourself, like acknowledging like, yeah, this sucks right now. This is hard, but I'm going to get through this. And I think when we are able to show that self-love to ourselves, it allows us to move to the next level. It allows us to acknowledge everything that's going on in our world and not just minimizing it or forgetting about it as well of like, oh, that's not important or anything like that. Yeah. I, and loving all the pieces of yourself at every point point of your journey, I think is something that I, I see a lot of people struggle with, especially Mm -hmm. when you're on like a very specific path, um, whether it's in your career and you're not quite there. Um, but loving, like you're saying, celebrate your wins. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, especially when it's something like physical, like if you're having a weight loss get challenged, like I'm in the middle of right now, like just, Mm -hmm. and I think about it, you know, I had, I had at one point been over 300 pounds and I was absolutely miserable. So if I look back and think like, okay, well, when I got here after being over 300 pounds, I was thrilled. I was so happy. I was so in love with the way I looked and how I felt, but now I'm like in this space again. And I'm like, okay, so just remember all the progress, celebrate that and love exactly where you're at right now. That's something I, I, I know people really have a hard time with, like I said, career, physical, whatever the goal is. Um, But it's hard. It's hard to do. (laughs) It's so hard. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because I I think a lot of people 
always are looking at the next step. Like they're not in that moment and like being present, like mindfulness is a big part of who I am and what I do as well. Because I was always that person from the time I was little. I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to middle school, high school, college, grad school. Can't wait to move. Can't wait to get all these things. But instead now it's really just grounding yourself too and appreciating that progress because the journey it's up and down. But when we're able to just look at those moments and the milestones that we have accomplished and you're like, wow, look how far I've come. Like even for you too, that's significant. And being able to just love the skin you're in too. And all the struggles that we all go through in different capacities and whatever we're struggling with. I know for burnout, I'm like, well, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And it's like removing the shoulds and just appreciating like, wow, look how far I've come. Wow. Look how many people I've helped instead of like, well, I need more clients or I need this. Like when I first started my business, that was like my mindset. And it's really shifting that mindset to really just look at what's in front of you and how amazing you are as a human being because I think we all have so many amazing things to offer this world and it's just looking internally too of the progress we've made and not like I said minimizing it because I know a lot of people do that I think that's super hard to do for anyone right now who's starting a new chapter in their lives Um, and I know with coming out of COVID a lot of people have made the choice to change what they're doing um, as far as their career where they're living how they're living Um, I have very particular opinions about starting over, but what is, what is your thought process or advice on someone looking at, um, turning a new page? Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example of myself. Um, so back in, um, 2017, when I started my business, I left the field of psychology. I had my doctorate. I mean, I still have it, but I had my doctorate. I had all these amazing things about to happen for me career-wise And I left the field. Everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, you went to school for so long, like society, like, what are you doing? And it was terrifying, but it was the best decision I ever made because I believed in myself. I bet on myself, even if I had failed, I was like, you know what? I'm at least attempting and I can figure that out really quickly if it's not for me. Mm -hmm. But I gave myself that opportunity to turn that page, to start that new chapter of the unknown. I had no idea. I had been in school my whole life. And I mean, I worked and did other things too on top of it, but I really had no idea. And I see that with some of my clients too, when they start their business, they're like, well, what am I doing? I don't know. This is scary. This is uncomfortable. Am I making the right decision? But I think at the end of the day, it's betting on yourself and trusting yourself that you're making the right decision. It might not work out how you want. It might work out better than you could have imagined. But just really betting on yourself, I think, is the biggest thing that I did. And I see my clients really taking that step of continuing to bet on themselves. Each level they go up as their business grows, as they're doing more things, really just focusing on trusting that process, but trusting themselves. I love that. I always have thought, like, if I look back, all the things that I've gone through, the one consistent theme is that I would never let myself down and never let my family down. So I've always said that to my friends or anyone that I work with, you know, have you failed in the past where, where you've not been able to get back up? Um, oh, and that's another topic I wanted to ask you about failure. Mm. I love failure. (laughs) I think it's such a great tool. Um, what are your, what do you tell your clients about that? Oh, Failure is so important. I struggled with failure. 
Um, if I'm being honest, I'm a former, I'm well, recovering perfectionist, I would say. (laughs) Um, so I do not like to fail and I've failed so many times, especially when I was starting my business. Like I can't count how many times I failed, but I'm so grateful for every failure I've had. Um, Sarah, uh, her last name is escaping me. She made Spanx. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. no, no thoughts in my head on that right now either. Yes. But she, I remember a story I heard her say on, it was an interview she was doing and she was saying at the dinner table, like her dad would always ask them, okay, what did you fail at today? So they got conditioned and reframed that failure is a good thing. And it helps us learn. It's what you take from that failure, that lesson and applying it. I think if you stay stuck and don't do anything, yes, that, that will debilitate you. But I loved hearing that. I was like, wow, that's such an insightful like concept. And I really took that to heart too, because now when I do fail, I'm like, okay, well, what went wrong? What can I do better next time? And reframing that in my mindset, because failure growing up, I was like, I can't fail. I have to be perfect. All these things that we're taught that in school, you fail a test, you know, there are consequences. It's not like, oh, well, clearly you didn't get the concept. Let's work harder on that. It's no, you're moving on and that's a failure. It's an F and that's in your transcript moving on. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think the whole school system needs to like revamp itself, but that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> but I come from a family of educators too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, they, they would agree too, yeah. but I think too, it's just really understanding like failure is such an important piece of life and it doesn't define you. It doesn't make you less than it just allows you to grow from there and taking that step of okay, what went wrong? How do I change it for the next time? And what did you learn? I mean, that's like where I say I'm a lifelong learner because I fail, I fail a lot, but I get back up like what you're saying and what you tell your um, clients and family as well. And that's what I tell my clients too. It's just, it's really focusing on what can you do better next time or like what went right? Yeah, I think as as community members, we could be a lot better about accepting or, or supporting people through that type of situation. When you see a friend who, or, you know, a colleague or whatever, kind of take a step back and, and having to face something like that, you know, being supportive and helping them through it without judgment, um, would be a really great change to see across the board. I think so. We would have a different world. (laughs) (laughs) One one can hope. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, so what about boundaries? So that's your third pillar. What kind of boundaries have you set in your life that you felt, um, have really helped you escalate? Yeah, no, this is like one of my favorite topics (laughs) to be quite honest, because it was the hardest for me. Um, but I think with when you're a people pleaser, it's really hard to set boundaries. And so like outside of being perfectionist, I was a people pleaser and a lot of my clients are people pleasers as well. Um, So it just resonates a lot. But I think the issue is sometimes it's really easy to set the boundary, but it's really difficult to follow through and solidify it and enforce it. And what I started to learn, the more work I did on myself, the more I started to really love myself, honor and respect myself, I got a lot easier to set those boundaries because I was like, well, it's not there's always this misconception and I hear it all the time. I don't want to be mean or rude. And that's not the case. You are honoring and respecting yourself and the person you're setting that boundary with, whether it's a business relationship, a romantic relationship, family, friends, any of those concepts. And I remember when I started setting boundaries, I was in therapy at the time and I was really 
um, honoring my boundaries. And I noticed everyone around me started to shift too, because they had to, I wasn't telling them what to do. I was just setting boundaries and they're like, Oh, okay. This is a different Caroline. Oh, okay. All right. We're adjusting. But once you start setting those boundaries, it's really important to remember it's going to take other people time to adjust. It's not that they're not going to adjust, but I did see a significant change and shift with like my friends and family as well, because I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And like, I appreciate you bringing that up to me, but unfortunately this is what's happening and just being very direct too. And it's your tone, your posture. And now I have no problem setting boundaries because I know it's to make the relationship healthier and safe and being able to honor both individuals in that relationship when you are setting that boundary. So I think it's rewiring the thoughts around boundaries because a lot of my clients struggle with that too, especially when you're starting a business or just even in the workforce, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll take that on or yeah, no problem. And it is a problem sometimes because you might have so much other or so many other things going on and you have to take a step back and honor, okay, can I really take this on? I would love to, unfortunately I can't right now. So like just being very, um, the tone needs to be direct because I'd be like, oh, well, I don't really know. Like this is years ago. Yeah. But now I'm like, I think I maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to disappoint people. Right. But I think it's, you're disappointing yourself when you don't set those boundaries. Yes. And this is the meat of the work, I believe when I'm working with my clients and because it's not one way. And when you're encountering a different relationship, but once you have that foundation of boundaries, it makes it so much easier with those steps of what's going on. All right. So the last thing I want to touch on, on boundaries is just, um, something that I found for myself was setting my own boundaries around the way I interacted with myself, even my self-talk, um, the thoughts I would allow myself to have and starting to put boundaries on those so that I could kind of, you know, be nicer to myself. And, and do you see that also, um, in your own, in your own situation, your own practice? Definitely. I think a lot of it's having compassion around the boundaries, like that self-love, the self-compassion piece is so key because especially if you're really hard on yourself or expecting so much from yourself, you have to realize what you're saying because it is going to impact everything else. And that's a lot of times where we can get in the cycle of whatever we're struggling with too, because it just, this thought process goes into a pattern and it can spiral. So how, like, at least for me, it's being able to journal about it, like write it out. Like, what am I thinking? And like writing it out so I can see it. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to say that anymore, but you catch yourself. And just a lot of times it's around like affirmations. If you're being really cruel to yourself Mm -hmm. of like flipping that and reframing it of looking at all the things you've accomplished as well. But I think when we are setting those boundaries, it's super important that how would you talk to your best friend? Mm. Would you say that to your best friend? Absolutely not. Most of the time, I mean, I would say. (laughs) Can't speak for everyone. (laughs) But I mean, that's how I compare it to when we are setting those boundaries, how you are speaking to yourself. Because when you are doing that, if you have children, if you have other friends, like, just how would you speak to them? And I think it really can pull in and see that you need to flip that script and really focus in on, okay, I didn't accomplish this. I'm not going to beat myself up about it because this didn't go the way I needed it to. And it's kind of ties into that failure piece as well of just not being so hard on ourselves 
and looking at like, okay, what can I learn from this? And if you didn't set that boundary, whether it's around like overworking yourself, because this is what I run into a lot with my clients, they're just like constantly overworking or in that hustle mode, because like, that was me, that was totally me. But how can you shift that? How can you say, okay, I, this, I'm working from this time to this time and no client calls, no emails, no messages, nothing. I want to spend time with myself or my family or friends or whoever you want to spend your time with. But I think it really comes down to knowing when we set those boundaries for ourselves, it makes it easier to set it for other people too, because it's probably the hardest to set it with ourselves, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, Which kind of parlays nicely into the emotional balance pillar, your fourth and final pillar. Um, how do we achieve this? (laughs) Well, (laughs) no, um, well, I take a lot of my marriage and family therapy background with this because I noticed with a lot of my clients, they have significant relationships, amazing relationships, but a lot of times if their partner or anyone in their circle is not an entrepreneur, they sometimes don't understand the roller coaster that's happening of the ups and downs, or if they're not making money right away or all the factors that play a part. But with this piece, it's really about communicating, being able to clearly communicate and have that open space to know what's going on and have that ability to know, okay, my emotions are really high right now. How do I reduce those? How do I acknowledge what's happening? So then you can communicate that to your partner or your family or your kids, whoever is in your household. But Mm -hmm. I think with that piece, it's really important to just give each other that space to actively listen. And this is like kind of a skill set I learned clinically, but I apply it to my clients too, um, is really listening to be understood and like listening to not respond. Because Mm -hmm. when we're listening, we're like, okay, well, what's the next thing? I'm going to rebuttal that versus having that open space because that's where I think a lot of conflict happens. And conflict isn't a bad thing. Um, but it's being able to really understand that piece and understand how to effectively communicate. So we work a lot on communication styles and skills with my clients when they are dealing with all the emotions that are coming. Sometimes it's really difficult to express yourself when your emotions are high and you just are like, I need to like say something and it might not be the best thing you want to say. And that's okay. But we really work on the communication piece, because I think that is so key across the board in anything we ever do. And communication is not just speaking, it's the nonverbals. It's about, I think like 70 or 80% statistic or like um, based off of research are nonverbals. Mm-hmm. So how our energy is, all of those things tie into that emotional balance. So being able to recognize that too. So we work a lot on that because you already have the other three in place. It makes right. it a little bit easier to like dive deeper into it. Yeah. In that process. I, um, my husband and I have been married for nine years this summer and amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Thank you. But we recently went to Italy and I just find it so funny that we're still learning how to communicate. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I, you know, and it's funny you said that about the entrepreneur thing, because he's not, and not very few of my friends are. So that's something that I'm sort of always like, oh, they just don't really understand where my head's at. And I'm sort of, okay, you know, that's fine. I'm just silently dealing with some weird thoughts that they don't have at having a nine to five job. Um, But we, it occurred to me, I love a surprise and he hates surprises. 
And what I didn't realize is it's not just that he hates my surprises in general, they give him a level of anxiety that I did not understand. So where I felt people didn't understand certain things I was going through it, when I saw him, ha when I had this revelation about him, it like blew my mind. Cause I was like, holy cow, he's having this entirely different experience than I am. I'm excited when I get surprised. I love like not knowing what's coming next. That is his absolute worst nightmare. And it started making me think like, oh, well, what else am I doing in my life? Or what am I assuming other people are experiencing um, without really paying attention to the cues and what they're saying? Um, and, and molding myself and in, in whatever relationship it is, whether it's a business one or a personal one, um, so that I can match and meet them where they are. Um, that was new. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point because I think too, you can be in a relationship for a long time, whether you're married or seeing somebody and it's a constant learning. Like there's constant learning in relationships. I mean, my parents have been married 35 years now, maybe 30, almost 36, and they're still learning things. And I think that's the beautiful thing of just knowing again, and I go back to it, it's never stagnant, but I think too, it's understanding and like really refree, like reframing back to the person too. Like, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Is this what you're saying? Because I know like it's, really easy to assume. Like I do it. Like, I mean, yeah, my boyfriend and I always talk through things, but it's still like, it's a learning process because you're still learning. And I, there's so much, we still don't know about the brain as well. And like how we just process. And we're looking at it from our perspective, our world, our upbringing, culturally, every aspect of us. And sometimes we can get triggered from something and we didn't even really know it was an issue, mm -hmm. whether it, like our partner might not know that or anything like that. But I think it's just really having that space and openness of knowing, okay, this isn't always going to be like this, but we need to like communicate about it. We need to understand one another and continue to learn and know that there might be something that comes up, but how do you navigate that? And that's yeah. what we really like work on too. Yeah. With my clients. I mean, for me, emotional balance is really about like discovery and testing and seeing, you know, and reassessing too. I mean, having gone through the quarantine period and COVID stuff, like really did change a lot of people, um, or, or not change them, but open them up to realities they didn't know before. And I think a lot of people had limiting beliefs about the way they could live their lives. And then going through that sort of gave them different ideas about what actually their life could look like. Um, yeah. so, you know, I think just always kind of being open to, um, possibilities and just more discovery, um, cause I hear a lot of people say things like I've tried that I've done that doesn't work. Well, maybe it didn't work then, but maybe mm -hmm. it'll work now. I get the biggest pushback on journaling. Do you, <laughs> I don't journal. I can't do it. It's not for me. A hundred percent. Like it's such a like good tool. Worst thing. I know everyone's like, it's the worst thing ever. And <laughs> I mean, I'm like, just try it. But it's also like, you know, sometimes people don't like journaling, but I'll be like, okay, what about painting or dancing? Mm. Like some kind of movement too, yeah. because a lot of times people don't have the words to express because they wouldn't grow up in a household where they're talking about their feelings or anything like that. I used to use it a lot and I still use it. Um, it's an emotional wheel. So it's not just, I'm angry. It's okay. Well, I'm sad and disappointed. And like, there's layers to those feelings, but a lot of times because it's difficult to journal for some with the feeling aspect or what's going on, I always am like, okay, well, what else do you like to do? 
to yeah. remove it from them. And a lot of times people express themselves through art, dance, other yeah. modalities. Um, so knowing that it's not just one thing and you might've tried it before, but you might have a different perspective. And like you said, so much has changed in the last yeah. few years with the pandemic and just everybody has has changed in some form or fashion or around them has changed. So I think it's just, it's really being flexible and adaptable and just being open to trying something. And if you tried it, you might hear it from a different perspective, a different coach, a different element, but just really allowing yourself to try it one more time. <laughs> um, if you could end this with, um, you know, a, a certain takeaway or something that if they didn't listen to any part else, anything else in this episode, please <laughs> listen to this. What would that be? I think it's, you know, I always tell my clients this, it, putting yourself at the top of the, your priority list is so key because you will be able to do like these four pillars. You will be able to continue to thrive in your life, but also giving yourself that compassion. But I think a lot of times with my clients, they don't even have themselves on the priority list, but you are number one and it's not in a selfish way. It's just really being able to have that full cup. So everything overflows to everyone else and you matter. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, if you guys want to connect with Caroline, you can go to her YouTube channel. We'll have all the links in the show notes, of course. Um, but definitely reach out, check her out. She is a unicorn. <laughs> Welcome to the tribe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on today as well. Yeah, no problem. All right. We'll talk again soon. Thanks guys. Have a great week. I just want to thank Dr. Caroline for having this great chat with me today. And I hope you guys got a ton of value out of it. I know I have pages and pages of notes and I'm definitely going to approach some things differently in my business after having this, this talk. If you want to get together with talk, Dr. Caroline, you can go to drcarolineiskivitz.com or visit tribeofunicorns.com and we'll have all of her links in her unicorn page. We also have all of her links in the show notes wherever you are streaming and listening to this episode. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.